0: Today I'm joined by the British actress, Emily Watson. Here's a taster of our conversation.
1: It's a particularly modern and forward thinking issue to really put the crime of sexual assault front and centre and go, where is the moral framework that surrounds this? The traditional moral framework, there isn't one.
0: I also speak to two fellow feminist podcasters in today's Girls on Film.
1: Fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night.
2: I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl
1: in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve?
0: Hello, and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith, and today I'll be welcoming the talented Emily Watson, who's gonna talk about her new film and her experiences in the industry. First, I'm welcoming back two guests who've both launched their own podcasts, Wendy Lloyd and Holly Tarquini. Great to be here. It's lovely to be here. Congratulations to both of you on launching your own podcasts. I'm absolutely thrilled that two of my favourite guests have done this and they're both really fascinating and interesting and we thought that our listeners would want to know about them. So I would love if you could each tell me a little bit about your podcasts. Uh, Let's have Holly first.
2: Thank you so much for having us on, Anna. And it is kind of confirmation that the Feminist Film Network is magnificently supportive. I was quite worried when we launched the the podcast. I was thinking, oh God, I hope Anna doesn't see this in any way as kind of being in competition with girls on film because you are the OG. So (laughs) thank you very much for being so supportive. Our podcast is the F-rated podcast. The F-rating, of course, is a film rating that I came up with in 2014. So before Me Too, before Time's Up, it seems like eons ago and it is specifically to highlight films directed and or written by women. If a film is directed, written and stars women then it gets a triple F rating of approval and the F rating podcast is another way really to help champion remarkable women in film. So each episode we interview a fantastic woman in film and each one I find it difficult not to kind of gush over them because they are such magnificent interviewees. There are lots of people that Girls on Film, you've probably spoken to all of them, actually. Well, no, one or two um, are
0: different. I was looking through it today because you do this great thing that you actually tell people what's coming up, which we don't do because actually we, we plan a bit closer to release dates and stuff. But it looks like you've banked all these amazing episodes already.
2: Yeah, we've recorded them all. So it's taken a ludicrously long time, to be honest, from recording to launching because we didn't have a deadline I suck without a deadline I need a really big (laughs) deadline and yeah I don't have one so it's taken us quite a while but we do have all 11 episodes yeah in the can ready to come out every Wednesday and
0: can you tell the listeners about your co-host
2: my co-host is the wonderful Anu Anand she is a BBC World Service presenter and journalist she's been working in journalism for decades and she grew up in America moved to Delhi her family are from India And then moved from Delhi to Bath, which is when I came across her. And when I was thinking about doing a podcast, she was a really obvious person to co-host it. So I bring the film and the feminism and she brings the professional Broadcasting, journalism
0: Great teamwork Wendy, open to criticism Now some of our listeners may be familiar with this already um, Because we've spoken about it when you've come on before And it's been in the planning for a while Yes But can you remind the listeners what it's all about.
3: Yeah, open to criticism. Well, my tagline is how we talk about movies, who gets to do it and why it matters. And yes, I have been fortunate enough to be on Girls on Film in the past and talk about uh, my many years of recent academic research for a master's in cultural inequalities. And my focus was criticism because I was fortunate enough for my studies to sort of coincide with the Me Too, BLM, Time's Up era kicking off. And what came out of my research was the many ways in which, you know, the way we talk about movies really does matter in ways that I don't think there's been really as much focus as perhaps we need to, bearing in mind how much we talk about the films themselves and the representation in those. Um, so I could have gone on and done a PhD and I did contemplate that. And, it, you know, you never know. It might happen. Um, but I kind of felt like I really wanted all this kind of information and research findings to get out into the world and to really get the conversation going. Because I do feel quite strongly that it's sort of interesting and helpful for all film fans to understand and think about all the things that underpin the massive skew that there has been and continues to be in criticism, a skew towards white men, and to understand why just upping the numbers and increasing the sort of variety of voices... Um, Basically, everybody other than white men um, sort of upping that balance a bit. It isn't enough and that we have to understand all the factors in play and the history of film and its criticism because we kind of drag that all around with us today. So the idea of the podcast was to kind of put all this stuff that I would sort of had my head in books about for years out into the world. Um, And really, you know, it's for all film fans, really, um, including critics, of course, because, you know, how we talk about films really does directly impact what we get to see on screen and the kind of stories that we unconsciously value.
0: Well, it is an excellent podcast and I've enjoyed being a guest on it. Yes. Um, but can you tell the listeners who else you've had on?
3: Yeah, we kicked off with Helen O'Hara um, because her book Women Versus Hollywood seemed like a really good way to start because it's just such a great foundation and a wealth of knowledge and although it focuses on the whole of the film industry, she does uh, include quite a lot of stuff directly about criticism and you can see some really interesting parallels. So it was really good to kind of kick off with her and sort of establish what has gone on in film and its criticism history. Um, And then we also talked to Leila Latif because she wrote a really interesting piece after the disappointingly all-white winners of BAFTA this year. Um, So, you know, to have a chat with her about the situation in terms of awards and today this morning I did an interview with someone who I was very excited about because um, this was an academic who wrote a book called The Permanent Crisis of Film Criticism which was an academic book essentially and it was the foundation to a lot of my study so it was really nice to get to chat to him you know about his book and again use it to sort of really set out So many of the things that, as I said, we are still dragging around with us today. And it's kind of time to unpack a lot of it.
2: I love your podcast so much, Wendy. Thank you, Holly. (laughs) And also, I love that we both spoke to Helen O'Hara. So Helen O'Hara was our second guest. And she's such a great speaker, isn't she? And all the research that she's put into trying to uncover the women at the beginning of Hollywood. So my dad is a television critic, or he was a television critic for 40 years for the FT and is a big film fan. So he built up my film knowledge when I was younger. And he loves silent era films. And he knows nothing about any of the women. And so books like Women in Hollywood are so important to learn that the women have been systematically intentionally written out, not just accidentally written out
0: I'm thinking Helen O'Hara is the link between us all currently because she was I think episode two of Girls on Film was the first one that she came (laughs) on to so yes I'm joining the Helen fan club there (laughs) you know there are so many wonderful women available to speak about film and I'm really pleased to see yet more platforms out there for them and Holly when you were saying about the supportiveness and not being in competition I mean that's A lot of our ethos at Girls on Film is exactly that, you know, not to view things as competition because, you know, actresses have only started to support each other, a lot of them, they say, since the Time's Up movement, and they're so stronger together. And, you know, I think all of us podcasters and feminists, we're stronger together. Well, and I
2: think film has a responsibility for that as well. So my kind of constant reiteration is that if we change the stories that we see on screen and we change who's telling them, then we change culture much quicker than we can change politics or society because we are what we see with the stories that we tell and the story that we all grew up seeing on screen about women and girls was all about women and girls being bitches and being mean to each other and not being able to live together it wasn't like book smart it wasn't friendships or rocks it wasn't female friendship didn't really exist it was just girls being bitches in order to get the boys And I think changing those stories to better reflect what we're actually like, but equally it's that kind of two-way mirror, isn't it? That in seeing it, we are also embodying it more and better. Very well put.
0: I'd like to ask you both what kind of responses you've had so far, because what episode are you on at the moment, Holly? Uh,
2: So good question. We've just released episode five, which is um, Gabby Chappie, who's the screenwriter for Misbehaviour and Their Finest um and yeah the response has been really lovely i think it's it's so difficult because there are so many podcasts everybody and their sister is doing a podcast at the moment as as we are and it's quite an ask isn't it kind of half an hour or 40 minutes or, or an hour even of somebody's time however the comments that people have been leaving are fantastic they've been really lovely reviews And as ever, lots of people saying this is so important, it's so important that we hear from these women, that we amplify them, that we hear them more. And that we keep telling those stories about how fantastic, (laughs) how many fantastic women there are in the industry doing magnificent things, because the trouble with the inequality is that if you keep telling that story, perpetuates the ideology that it's predominantly straight white men whereas in fact there are also vast numbers of women and people of colour and a few disabled people so the response has been great how about you Wendy?
3: Yeah I mean excellent I mean just you know you don't realise how important that feedback is after you put so much work into doing a podcast you know anybody's doing a podcast to some extent it's a passion project because it involves a lot of work and it's not something you do for to get loads of remuneration if any at all but yeah I mean I think for me it's been just fantastic to have people say it's something that they perhaps hadn't thought about in the way that they're now thinking about having listened to the conversations on the podcast and that really matters to me I think because the podcast is very much for me it's about kind of challenging that old-fashioned idea that you 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 know, you seek out a critic who aligns with your point of view as a film fan and they steer you towards things that you will, you know, probably like. Um, Because the problem with that is that you stay in the same lane, don't you, in terms of the stuff you watch. You miss stuff. And so what I'm trying to do with the podcast is to try and encourage people to listen to voices that they may even know are out there. But they may just kind of, again, unconsciously think, oh, yeah, well, I've got the reviewer that I tend to check in with and they will just see looking at another point of view as kind of just dipping their toe rather than recognising that actually they will get an awful lot more if they on a consistent basis listen to very different perspectives and that's um, something that I'm very excited about in my upcoming episode um, episode 4 which has a journalist and author Kathy Ray who is writing from the perspective of disability. She writes about all manner of things in the media but I got her on the show because of the film Champions, which came out a couple of weeks ago, starring Woody Harrelson, has a large cast of disabled actors in it. And it was really interesting when I read her review, she was talking about stuff and interpreting the film and perceiving it in a way that all the other critics that I was reading could not and were not. And I think it's really important that we recognise that you know you get so much more out of the films you watch and the choices that you make if you tap into different voices talking about them. But it's not just a kind of like, you will learn more in a kind of homeworky way. It's that you actually engage more and you get more out of cinema. I'd like to ask you both now to tell people where and how to listen to your podcasts, Wendy, you first. Well, of course, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. So it's on Apple, Spotify, you know, the whole lot of them. It's called, again, Open to Criticism. Um, so, yeah, do check it out and follow it. And then the episodes drop every Friday excellent
2: and ours is called the f-rated podcast and again you can find it wherever you want and i would really urge people in a kind of support your feminists um, stance to like share give stars to so the way that podcasts get noticed and seen especially on apple podcasts is in the first six weeks and so if in the first six weeks you haven't had a load of traction reviews ratings and audience then apple decide that you're not relevant even if actually you get loads more listeners down the line it's bizarre the way algorithms work so please if you could all just rush to apple or spotify if you can't do apple to the f-rated podcast and like it rate it share it as soon as you possibly can and then say nice things about it in the review that would be great
0: yeah reviews are so important and support is so important we have been so touched by the kind of reviews we've had on Apple Girls on Film listeners and it it really keeps you going actually doesn't it you you know you're like right I'm doing this for the right reasons because it's being appreciated so amazing and well as I have you both I can't let you go without talking about actual movies and new releases so Wendy tell me is there anything that you've seen recently or that's coming up that you would recommend to the listeners?
3: Well, mine would be a current fave that's already out there but I only caught it at the cinema very recently um, but it was great actually to go to a public screening of it and just to see the, you know, huge positive reaction there. Um, Rye Lane just such a wonderful film i totally agree it is everything everybody's saying and more it's amazing and indeed kind of bizarre to think that you know it's taken us to so long to have a film of that ilk in the uk but yeah it's so fabulous so inventive and utterly charming and really important so yes that's my recommendation everything all right in there trying to have a private moment my bad it's not that private though It's Tom, right? I'm
1: Yaz. Nice to meet you. I'm gonna meet my ex for the first time since the breakup.
3: And you're still calling it the breakup? I thought we were fine. We were better than fine. We moved in together, but we had Hamilton tickets. It's a serious commitment. Right? So what happened?
1: She cheated on me with my best friend.
3: You cheated on Tom? With him. Oh, that hurts a little bit. I mean, I get it. The arms are nice, but what would she even talk
1: about? Are you just gonna sit there and uh, say that to me? Well, she said my arms are nice.
2: So the film that I have loved recently is um, Blue Jean, which, Anna, you spoke
3: to everybody on Girls on Film, didn't you? Yes,
0: they were wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, An amazing film,
3: isn't I really love it. People watch it online now, I suspect, can't they? Yes, I think it's just come up on BFI Player, actually. That's where I'm going to catch it. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's so good, Wendy. And it also evokes for me because I wasn't... Uh, you know, a lesbian in schools in the 1980s. It uh, it reveals a world from, I was involved in that world but I didn't have any concept of it or of how I protested against Section 28 but I didn't experience the kind of slap of it, the sort of wallop of it. And it does make you also think about the long-reaching effect of it that, you know, if you... It wasn't illegal to be gay but it was illegal to talk about it which immediately says that this is wrong and bad and negative and that's only really recently changed. So yeah, I found it incredibly moving and fantastically made as a film and the performances are just astonishing and the recreation of the 80s in a very kind of low key way not an in your face sort of here's the 80s kind of way I thought was outstanding yeah Yeah.
0: that's a good reminder to anyone listening that hasn't yet caught Blue Jean check it
1: out
3: I need you in two teams Jimmy can you get over here Mike over there
1: so what do you do Jean?
3: I'm a teacher
1: fantastic what do you teach? P? Lois? come on in
2: you got a man on the scene at the moment then?
1: no
3: I haven't no
1: You do realise that the fill our tellies with this here
2: to distract us from what's really going on. Not everything is political. Of course it is.
3: Here at home, there's been another big demonstration against clause 28, which seeks to stop councils from promoting homosexuality.
2: I've been saying this is a good
0: idea for years. Young people have such vulnerable minds. You're saying amazing performances. One of the best performances I saw recently that really blew me away was um, Florence Pugh in A Good Person, Zach Braff's film. She is just phenomenal in this film. Um, So if you get a chance to see that, it's a Sky original movie.
3: Definitely check that out. You do wonder, every time you see Florence Pugh in something, you think, she, she? surely she can't pee. She's peaked. She's amazing. <laughs> she just gets better and better. Florence Pugh is, you know, astounding as an actress. She is a goddess. Yeah, and I think this feels like it could be her kind of
0: Oscar movie, but then who knows what's going on with the Oscars at the moment.
3: <laughs> Aren't you engaged to Nathan Adams? I was, yeah. I heard what happened to you. The accident.
1: The woman that died was about to be my sister-in-law.
2: Don't keeps Hi,
1: Dan. I'm worried about you. I want my life
2: back. I want my child back. I need help. I know. Allison, don't run away now because of me.
1: There are thousands of meetings. I'll find another one.
2: Well, somehow you found your way to this one.
0: It's certainly an Oscar-worthy performance. Really, really strong. Um, And a documentary uh, that's coming up that I really enjoyed is Loving Highsmith, if you get a chance to see that. documentary about Patricia Highsmith um you know really interesting obviously from an lgbtq angle and god's creatures emily watson who is our our next guest on today's show but yeah i mean that is a really powerful moving watch and it touches on some very feminist themes really so yeah check that out if you can brilliant thank you both so much for coming on to girls on film it's been a delight
2: to have you thank you for that it's great all i can say is thank you and thank you for girls on film in the first place and then thank you for having us on That was Wendy
0: Lloyd and Holly Tarquini. My next guest is one of the finest actors of her generation. Her films include Breaking the Waves, Hilary and Jackie, Punch Drunk Love, and her TV work includes Chernobyl, The Third Day, and Apple Tree Yard. Her latest film is God's Creatures. It's a really emotional drama set in a fishing village off the coast of Ireland. It's directed by Sayela Davis and Anna Rose Holmer, and it co-stars Paul Meskell as the son of her character, Aileen. Here is Emily Watson. (laughs) Emily, welcome to Girls on Film.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I'm absolutely delighted. Huge fan of your work. and I can't believe it's taken us this long to get you on. But it's very appropriate because I'm speaking to you on International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day to you.
1: Thank you so much. And the same to you. Does this mean much to you? Do you think about it? this day? Yes, I think it's, uh, I have a teenage daughter. I work in an industry that has had great agency in terms of promoting the change in the conversation around everything to do with women. And there's been some very, very brave individuals within my industry, you know, people who have been very damaged and who kickstarted a lot of that. And, you know, you have to uh, think of them on this day.
0: Good shout. And we definitely celebrate them year-round on Girls on Film. I want to congratulate you on God's Creatures. uh, Phenomenal film and performance. I was absolutely gripped watching every move you made in this film. I don't want to unwittingly give any spoilers, so I'm going to put it on you now. (laughs) How would you describe the setup of this film?
1: It's set in a rural, very remote Irish fishing village, and it's a very hard life. I play a mother who's beautiful adored son has disappeared and left seven years ago he went to australia and at the beginning of the movie he suddenly reappears into their lives and from the off you know that something's not quite straightforward about their relationship Um, their relationship is very intense very loving and he can do no wrong in her eyes and yet within the rest of the family and the rest of the community there's quite a lot of tension around him Brian in. And then he's accused of sexual assault, and she gives him a false alibi. There's been a claim made by a young woman. Brian says he was at home with Jude that night. Is that right? He was, yeah. We both know that's a lie, though. This is a serious accusation. You don't want to hear her side? If you lasted all of about how long? The usual family fates, boys being boys. And it's the unraveling from there. Was there anyone else out? Do you remember? Couldn't tell you. Everyone's got their eyes closed. Who do you think I am at all, Mom? Do you not feel anything about what's happened? Is there no feeling in you? You have this impossible image of me. The whole world has turned upside down.
0: It's such a gripping setup, and I love the way, as you say, it builds up the characters in that relationship. I want to first, before I get to the sexual assault aspect, ask you about that very unusual and very visible bond between you and your son, who's played by Paul Meskel. I think, you tell me whether one's meant to feel a little bit uncomfortable with that level of intensity that you see on screen.
1: Absolutely. I think it's clearly, you know, it's a bit off from the beginning. Um, I think it was a stroke of genius of theirs to cast him and to get him, you know, before he, he was on the way to being, you know, a superstar. But because... You know, when you go to this film, you have expectations about him and he, everybody adores him. After normal, people much, much loved. And there has to be an investment in that character and an investment in the relationship between the two of us, then to see how... Manipulated it is, and how exploited it is. Um, yeah, it's very clever to have him, really. Yeah,
0: absolutely, because it upends your expectations of him as an actor. Yeah, in terms of the moral dilemma that your character faces, I was interested that a lot of it is internalised and not spoken out loud. So your performance is key to us trying to decode why. She defends him. Obviously, we've already seen how much she's devoted to him. But what kind of sort of internal conversations did you have or indeed with the directors about why a mother would basically protect her son above the interests of another woman? I think, you know, that's uh,
1: that's a question that's sort of very fundamental to the whole premise of this film, which is about a community. It's not just about that relationship, but it's about these communities where people close ranks around a rapist Anything than believe the victim. I think it's also particular to this relationship. I think she is an animal and her instinct is visceral and her life has been transformed by his appearance, by his reappearance. She's come alive again. She's been able to forget all the things that were difficult and it's as if the sun has come up and she doesn't want to lose that in any way, shape, or form and he knows that and he manipulates it. And puts pressure on her to support him and she's unable to resist that but almost as soon as she's done it she begins to see the cracks appearing. If I'd known where you were I'd have come and visited you. I had a would have been nice
0: all right but no you didn't miss much
1: <laughs> besides it's the best thing in the world being back here
0: it's such a powerful story, and I'm interested to know, in particular, working with two female directors in this who are collaborating together, can you talk to me a bit about that experience and how it impacted on you?
1: Oh, my goodness, they were so cool. Anna Homo made a movie previously called The Fits, which was amazing, um, and Celia was an editor, but they have now become a directing team. They are incredibly smart, New Yorkers, very, very quiet, very thoughtful, profound in pretty much everything they do. And a really remarkable presence on set because it was very quiet the way they led the team. But they had the Irish crew eating out of their hand, dancing on the head of a pin. You know, they would say things like to the prop master, could I trouble you to move that chair? Which is an unheard of way of communicating on a film set. But also they had when we were in rehearsal, when we spent time all together at the beginning, the conversations we had around this script, you know, it's obviously a very big subject and a very difficult subject. There was such thoughtfulness and they actually, you know, whenever we had difficulty with grasping the enormity of something or a decision or a moral sort of turning point, they consulted with a psychiatrist to help us fathom those things and understand those things And I think there wasn't a moment in his screenplay that they hadn't thought about very deeply. And so when we were actually on set, we'd do a take and there'd be maybe occasionally a little sort of whisper by the monitor. And then one of them would go to camera, one of them would go to the actors and you'd get a little sort of horse whispering in your ear. Really, really intuitive and helpful and very strong, good notes, very positive. And then you'd carry on. And they didn't really... It was never the same one so they you know they were fluent with actors and camera both of them it was remarkable to watch actually
0: that's really interesting because we've talked to a lot of people that have praised working with female directors on their own along the lines of what you're suggesting about being a bit more quiet but having two women collaborating doing that must be really quite special
1: yeah yeah it was and particularly with this subject matter they yeah. a very great sensitivity around it and also having paul at the center of that because he's a very sensitive and remarkably mature actor, you know, in his terms of the subtlety of what he wants to do. And, you know, the fact that he sought out this role, he wanted to do something really different and something dark. And also, you know, for a lot of the Irish actors, this story has its origins in incidents that, you know, you've read about that happen in Ireland.
0: What do you hope that people who go to see this in the cinema are going to take away from it?
1: I want them to come out having a conversation about who did what and why and would you do that and how would you respond in that situation and you know what did you think of the fact that this happened you know really a debate um but i also think there's you know go away if you haven't had it already have a conversation with your son about consent yeah um yeah and ask questions of your religion because where was the church in all of this You know, when an ostensibly extremely religious community closes ranks around a rapist, what's wrong with this picture? It's it's a particularly modern and forward-thinking issue to really put the crime of sexual assault front and centre and go, where is the moral framework that surrounds this, the traditional moral framework? There isn't one.
0: And film and TV have a... A really important role to play, I think, in encouraging those conversations, as you suggest. I'm curious to know, because obviously you've done magnificent TV as well as film. Do you think TV is ahead of film when it comes to not just these kind of conversations, but great roles for
1: women? Uh, Yes, in a way Mm. it is, simply because of the way that we consume stories has changed. You know, we're all glued to the small screen and long form television is something that we have You know, it's a format that everybody uses and, you know, half the audience are women. A lot of them are older women. They're women our age and they're the one in charge of the buttons (laughs) deciding what everybody's going to watch. And they want to see their lives reflected and the things that they're interested in reflected. And it's been great for me because I feel like I've just about rode the right side of that wave of change. Had I been a decade older, it would have been much harder for me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We've had people coming on to talk about, you know, the relative lack of meaty roles for women over 40 and 50 in film. Yes. But feels like that is changing.
1: Yes, I yeah. absolutely agree, yes.
0: And also, as you suggest, I hope, more realistic roles rather than the kind of glossy Hollywood plastic
1: women not looking their age. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole, what's it called, the something test. The Bechdel test. Yes, that one, Yes, which I sort of experience daily. I sit down with my kids and go oh yeah and I think this is great remember this one when I watch this and then after a few minutes you go ooh, oh oh no <laughs> you know there's just so many situations where your children think it's really really weird that he's old enough to be her dad or she never speaks or you know <laughs> Why is the first shot on that part of her body? And
0: yeah, and we're questioning things it now. that we just
1: we sucked Certainly it up. We
0: are, and I think a lot of the work you're doing is—is um, is there anything you're particularly proud of? You know, in kind of gender terms and in those
1: kind of terms that you've worked on? I, d- I don't think it's something I see myself as being. You know, fighting that fight. I just think that I, I think that interesting writers and filmmakers, storytellers who kind of drive that agenda, you know, they gravitate towards the stuff that everybody's talking about and is meaningful and the sense of change, you know, where the change is and they're writing the stories and that's where the interesting parts are. And then you're like a taxi ticking over with your engine waiting for the next person to come up the rank. And off we go.
0: What's the most fun you've had on a film? I really enjoyed watching a raw night out, for example, but that might not have been as fun as a film as it also was. You know, I
1: did have fun on that. Okay. I, mean, I wasn't on it for very long, but I I just was with Rupert, Rupert Everett. We're really good friends. That's and gonna we be just fun, had, right? Yeah, yeah, it was really, really fun. I'm back! Come here. Where have you been, dear? For of time. Where is your sister? was really special and punch drunk love as well was really wonderful
0: oh you've just reminded me i have to go and watch that film again it's such an incredible film thank you
1: i saw your picture and i really wanted to meet you uh, uh, uh. oh are you
2: like <laughs> no.
1: i didn't want
2: to get too far along
1: going out and be hiding something
0: can you talk to me a bit about working with any other female directors actually does anyone else spring to mind that you've worked with
1: one of my very closest friends now is Jessica Hobbs, who directed Apple Tree Yard. And I met her for for the first time just to discuss the script. And she said, I'm four days older than you and we were kind of looked each other in the eye and went, Okay, let's do this from our point of view. The only person I can talk to about you is you.
2: Have you seen the chapel in the crib?
1: You know, we were both about to turn 50 You're married. And it was a... Oh, my. This is just great to be telling this story with a woman of our age at the centre of it. You saw me. I really think you did. And I saw you. You know, she's got children around the same age as me and a lot of the shared difficulties of, oh, my God, how are you going to put that together? You know, you're going to be in Budapest for this long and you know it's, it's sort of just trying to piece your life together as all women do obviously.
0: What have you got coming up?
1: I've got a film coming out with another film in A24 called The Legends of Ochi which is a I guess sort of kids fantasy but really with a weird sort of slightly cookie angle on it. It's about a young girl who's played by Helena Zengel who's a young German actress who was in The Postman with Tom Hanks. She's brilliant And her dad, played by Willem Defoe, and they live in a fictional country, which is inhabited by dangerous kind of monkeys that live in the woods that can rip you apart. And um, I play her estranged mother, sort of witch who lives on a mountain. And it's really wacky and fun. And I am now part of the Dune universe as well, which is pretty amazing. That's also playing kind of head witch, which will be fun. And I'm about to do a piece, a little bit on um, small things like these, which is being made into a movie in Ireland with Cillian Murphy.
0: Oh, wow. That is a lot to look forward to. I'm, I'm curious about the number of witches. Do, do you find <laughs> roles for witchy characters are getting better? Yeah. <laughs> more I mean, nuanced? I've yeah. never
1: before ventured into the world of science fiction. But now that I have, all the science fiction magic of it is nothing to do with hydraulic doors it's all mind games and power of perception, which is really fun to play. I agree and all the
0: best sci-fis are psychological and rely mm-hmm. on that above anything. Before I let you go, anything else to say about God's creatures in particular maybe from a gender perspective because obviously that's that's what we love to talk about on girls on film.
1: I think it's a really thought-provoking piece of storytelling about sexual assault, about you know the wider structures that we live with you know that have the intergenerational stress of violence, that we've sort of, you know, we have sucked up for centuries. You must be delighted to have Brian back in the house, would you? Sure, you know he said. You reckon? God knows if my girls moved back into the house, we'd be tearing strips off each other. Australia, he was, was it? Australia, yeah. And that always the way, breaking his mother's heart. Exactly.
0: Thank you so much again for your performance in it and for your words today. It's been so lovely to talk to you and to welcome you to Girls on Film and I hope you'll come back and talk about all things witchy and female and otherwise in future. (laughs) I will. Thank you. God's Creatures is in UK cinemas now. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott... Audio Editor Benjamin Cook Assistant Producer Eleanor Hardy And our Principal Partners Vanessa Smith and Peter Brewer Thanks for listening, we'll be back soon
1: Isn't it to drag me out in the middle of the night just to ask a simple question? We have to be seen to be doing our job, Ailey.